You don't gamer. You don't play 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 gamer. Potential also, yeah. But I think in the end of a few months, Sophia will be a great team. Test, test. Lisa. <laughs> yeah, just make no sure we the... talk near to the mic. Yeah, okay, let's right. start, guys. Go, go, go. Alright, good afternoon, good evening, whenever, whatever time you're listening good to. Good night. Uh. Good night. Uh-huh. Alright, uh, this is the ep- 15th episode of the yeah, Jungle Babblings yeah. podcast. <laughs> oh, not bad, 15 already. Huh? Yeah. Today we have quite a few months and draw our usual gang. So if you like what you have been listening to so far, just listen to us in our Spotify, the Drunken Rambling Podcast, and Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. So today we have a guest, uh, my good friend Desmond. Yeah, Desmond, would you like to give a short intro about what you do? <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, my name is Desmond, and I'm a clinical psychologist right now. Uh, I'm practicing in a private practice right now at Annabelle Psychology. Um, yeah, that's yeah. So today we want to talk about mental health, uh, the mental issues that everyone faces every day. I think uh, like nowadays the government's placing a lot of focus on it, which is good. So I it thought we should, yes. we should talk more about it. So yeah. Desmond, he's a friend that whenever there's a problem that occurs among the group right like we need he's the guy <laughs> he's the he's guy the who guy. mediates yeah. everything in every group there's always one guy the mediator everyone yeah. Yeah, yeah. mediator yeah. Yeah. problems and stuff yeah. every group should have a guy like that in yeah. other words the most mature one <laughs> exactly that was the one that's most problems on okay? oh, yeah, man. that's why I thought he's the expert got to, yeah. to bring him down yeah. there's today there's roles that everyone mediates to yeah. or not mediates to they <laughs> gravitate towards there's certain roles yeah, yeah. So, what's your usual day like? Um, it's very different actually um, because I'm in a private practice. So, private practices, uh, the psychologist's uh, average day will be a little bit different from a psychologist who's practicing in a public sector. Okay. Yeah, so my typical day is like uh, I would see about five to six patients in a day. Um, so, about five to six hours of therapy. Um, right. And on top of that, uh, sometimes. I have to do uh, assessments as well, so psychometric assessment, um, things like IQ tests, um, ADHD tests, uh, dementia testing, things like that. Oh, interesting. Um, but and that will be kind of like added on lah in that way. Um, it's different from a public psychologist because um, a, a psychologist in a in a public sector would have a lot more responsibilities in that way uh, because of okay. the services they have to provide at the hospital. For example, okay. uh, what what kind of services? Well, it depends. It depends. So there are psychologists everywhere, actually. There are psychologists. So right now, Singapore is getting better in the sense that like uh, they are expanding more services to the community, which is good. So then more psychologists can kind of um, do their work there. Uh, so for example, there are psychologists at polyclinics. There are okay. psychologists uh, not only in the general hospitals in Singapore, but there are also psychologists at MSF. There are psychologists mm. at uh, more community-based, uh, maybe like NGOs, like SAMH, uh, uh, other NGOs, uh, sorry, not NGOs, but like also um, more community-based organizations like NCSS, the National mm. Council of Social Service. Well, um, sounds like a lot of psychologists everywhere. Huh? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm yeah, sure yeah, there is, is a growing need for these psychologists, right? There is never enough of these psychologists. Yeah, there is. I mean, it's the, yeah. the age-old argument of, you know, whether or not it's... Is it... Is it really that the rates of mental illness is increasing or is it that we're getting better at detecting it? 
Mm. As ah, time goes by, yeah, that mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. so that's the age of argument. That's la. quite interesting. Yeah. yeah, so one of the very common things, uh, very common misconceptions, is that like, oh, uh, you know, in the past, you know, we don't ha- we didn't have things like psychosis, we didn't have things like autism, you know, we didn't have things like depression and things like that. Um, but some would argue that's not really the case. It's just that we now know a lot more about like what it means to. Uh, have autism, what it means to have psychosis and things like that. Mm. And naturally, the makes more sense, you know, makes sense. Yeah. the better you are at detecting it. So, yeah. Right. I hope I don't offend anybody. But I remember last time when I was in primary school or secondary school, whenever someone says, oh, you got mental health or mental illness, it means like you're crazy. Mm. Or you must go IMH, this kind of thing. It's yeah. like, it's that stigma, you know? Like, it is, it is. Unfortunately, it is. Yeah. unhealthy in the mind of you, some some thoughts, right? You know, mm. and you don't know how to seek help. And people mm. just deem you as crazy. Yeah, I, I think the, mm. there's still the stigma also. Like, even if, you know, you're feeling stressed, you don't want to like, talk about whatever that's going on in your mind, like, oh, mm. not, uh, not, my, my mind's not so, you know, not in a good state, for example, then you won't, it's not something you normally want to yeah, tell exactly. your friend. Yeah, yeah, you want to exactly. yeah. keep it. To and yourself. the people around you tend to be trained to just brush off your issues. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Um, it's, I guess these are kind of like the more, I would say, sad things that happen. Mm. Like, you know, we, we live in a society where we don't know how to respond to pain. Um, we live in a society where uh, if someone expresses pain to you, and, and I, maybe this is something that is, you know, the, all three of you might, might feel like it, you hear from your own friends or so. Yeah. But you might hear things like, I, I don't, don't think about it, let's go for a drink. Or yeah, like, yeah. Hey, just come on. Man up. Yeah. Just man up. That's yeah. the pussy. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, just man up. Or like, you know, hey, um, you know, uh, don't think about it so much, lah, right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 go yeah, go yeah, do yeah, something correct. else, go and like distract yourself and things like that. So, which is very, to me, it's very sad because like, this is how we're responding to someone else's pain. Mm. Yeah. Like a lack of and empathy, right? In a way, in a way. But I would also say that like, perhaps it's uh, more to do with how these are not things that you learn in school. These are not things that you learn necessarily. Uh, you know, if you don't look out for it, right? Or you don't mm. search for it, right? You won't come to know all these things. Like, mm. how do you respond to pain? How do you actually support someone? How do you learn how to support someone? What kind of support are there? Right? Yeah. right? What is it? What does support mean? Right? It's because... Uh, I feel like also in our Singaporean context, like support uh, sometimes is seen as a problem-solving thing. Mm. Like to support means I need to solve your problem. Ah, okay. But actually, yeah, that, that's a that's true actually. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. and and most times that's just not true. But it's not true, yeah. right? I mean, I can think of many times when like I had like a shitty day. It's just I don't need someone to solve my problems. I mean, it's it's you don't need to sit there and tell them, give me advice. I just need someone to hear me out. A listening ear, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need yeah. someone to vent to. I need someone to just sit there and just like feel my pain as I as, That's I, one of the, as I express it to you. You know, like yeah. like like kind of like uh, share the pain with me. And That's one of the classical complaints of all wives in the world. <laughs> 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 Actually, it's true. Right? If yeah. someone tells me their problems, right, somehow I feel compelled to like give a to, solution to fix it. Right? Right? To fix it. Yeah. I, but I don't have to. Right? I yeah, I mean, you can you can you can chalk it up to culture. You can chalk it up to society expectations. But at the end of the day, the the reality is that sometimes responding to pain is is a little bit scary. Um, mm. And sometimes you don't know what to do. And you so, how can one respond to pain? Uh, that's a wow. Uh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a very that's good a question. Deep question. Wow. <laughs> but but let's um, let's put it into tears, la. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. In what way? Like maybe as a let's let's say I also don't know how to explain it. Yeah. If someone comes up to you and says like, "Hey, I, um, 
I'm having issues. Like, you know, maybe you know everything seems so bleak. Like, how mm. would you respond? To yeah, that? this is exactly why I'm asking this question because if someone would ask, ask mm. me how do I respond to pain, I would just be like, oh, just man up, lah. You know, that's mm. my first yeah. response yeah. kind of thing. No, but actually, I think it really all boils down to one thing, which is that uh, to never give unsolicited advice. Mm. I think that's the the key kind of rule of thumb. Mm. Um, you don't give advice if it's not asked for. Mm. Um, and actually, so then perhaps maybe a good way to respond to pain is to ask what this person needs, mm. right? So um, if someone is actively, you know, uh, clearly in pain or clearly kind of um, crying or you know having uh, you know expressing a lot of anger, you know things like that, um, you know maybe a simple question like you know, hey, you know, what can I do for you right now, right? What can I do to help? Right. Tell me what to do. Do you want to be left alone? I can leave you alone. Maybe I can check in on yep. you maybe an hour later. Right. Right. So it's getting getting input from the person who is mm. in pain. Do you do that this, uh, the same as a therapist or versus you as a friend? Like do you use No, the it's the same actually. Yeah. Oh, it's the okay. same. Yeah. <laughs> I uh because at the end of the day these are all more pers- interpersonal uh, communicative kind of skills um, You know Things like empathy Things like What it means to be a friend What it means to To be someone who is, Who cares for you right. What it means yeah. to be someone To support you When times are hard I don't think it's all that much different But as a way. Practicing therapist Do you have like a SOP Like okay Step one <laughs> do this Step two do this you know, Especially uh, about, about the rules and regulations yeah. Right Something you gotta go through Okay uh, Did he sign I the PDPA form <laughs> <yet? laughs> That is important PDPA is important man Yeah I wouldn't say there's a step-by-step process. Um, they are more more like there are principles that uh, guide us in our practice. Um, I I would I think it's hard for us to come up with an SOP because mm. of how on what the human experience is basically. I mean, all of us like we we live very different lives. Right? I mean, the fact of the matter is that even if I uh, I try to understand you as hard as I can, the reality is that I've never lived your life, oh. and because I've never lived your life, I can never truly understand. What exactly how you feel like that, that and makes so sense. and so it's kind of like uh which is why there's no step by step process um it's more about like what it means to connect with the person in front of you, mm. what it means to share this suffering with this person who's sitting in front of you and no and single case is exactly identical to the next one mm, so yeah very, very I would yeah. say none honestly mm. yeah. so would you say the first step is to be empathetic yeah, to definitely, definitely because the, the same negative thing can happen to 100 people and they sure. all feel it differently yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I think that's an important thing yeah 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 I mean like just because if I have depression and you have depression doesn't mean that we have the same yeah. level of suffering doesn't mean we have the same level of difficulties or the same type of difficulties mm. for that matter yeah Mm. Are your cases usually those that uh, are from they have the mental issues from birth or are they those mm. that are re- that kind of developed it over over their life? Uh, I think it depends on what kind of mental illnesses you're talking about. Mm. Um, so there are certain things that we know are neurodevelopmental. So okay. for example, yeah, you have to explain that. Yeah. <laughs> so for example, things like autism. Autism okay. is neurodevelopmental. Mm. ADHD is also neurodevelopmental. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, learning disorders, so like dyslexia, uh, dyspraxia, and all this, all the other seers, <laughs> <laughs> um, they are all neurodevelopmental in the sense that, like, which means that you are you, there is a genetic component to it, and it develops over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you grow. Um, other kinds of mental illnesses, uh, I would say, I would not rule out the genetic factor because there is a genetic factor. If you have someone in your family who has a mental illness, you are statistically more likely to get it 
Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this could be, of course, like you know, uh, the research is still ongoing, and you know, it's not like we've identified like a key, you know, what do you call that? A key cause of certain kinds of uh, mental illnesses. But what we do know is that it's a it's a combination of various things. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it starts from like uh, the biological stuff, which is you know, uh, genetics. Um, but it can also include uh, psychological and environmental factors. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So how you are parented, how you grew up, how what experiences did you had, right? Were you bullied in school? Were I you see. not? Things and like there are that. definitely some cases where, let's say for example, this kid is autistic, mm. but both of his parents are completely fine and normal, and he just was born autistic. Like mm. there are cases like that, right? It yeah, doesn't yeah, have yeah, to be one sure, parent. Sure. No, 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 yeah. Because the the reality is that like the research is still ongoing, and so yeah. we don't know all the answers. Yeah, um, we just have like the best practice that we have right now, with mm. the, given the knowledge that we know. Would you say Singapore yeah. has a lot of support for mental health? Um, I think it's getting better. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Let's, um, let's start from yeah. a, maybe from a government standpoint to the social standpoint. Like nowadays in the MRT, you do see ads, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, from the government okay, like I mean, raising it's, awareness. It's not nice to say, but mental health seems to be the trending topic mm. globally. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, was it something that? triggered that maybe in Singapore was there an increase in a certain thing or uh, you mean like what sparked the conversation of yes. mental health yeah um, I mean because it, it wasn't talked about and then suddenly it was talked about yeah, by everyone yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think mainly um, also partly due to social media I'm sure social I'm media, sure. depression sure. a lot of people have depression because of social media they I'm, sure, I'm sure I mean like it's so much easier for information to get around now right, right. Yeah, I mean yeah. you think about the past like I mean like when, when we were kids like dial up there's no such thing as like yeah, getting yeah, fast yeah, information, yeah. right? Yeah. The information you get is from like newspaper or like right. TV and you got to wait for it. And, like, But now, I mean, you can just you can just talk about it on any kind of social media platform. So maybe that's the case. Mm. It could be. Um, for anything like specific to Singapore, I can't really pinpoint or maybe I'm not aware of it. Yeah. Did COVID uh, excavate everything? I feel like, you know, COVID, everyone being cooked up at home. Yeah, so COVID is an interesting situation because um, there was an initial confusion when lockdown happened uh, because we were an essential service and then right. we were declared not an essential service. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Halfway they declared like... It was like within service. a couple of, first couple of days they declared us non-essential. What? So you're forced to stay at home? Uh, like? So we had to stop our work. So, uh, which was, which, I mean, which you can imagine how, um, how many of the psychologists were, it was quite an uproar la, in the community. Sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, because uh, we all were seeing many clients and patients who needed that help, um, who had very high risk of suicide, who had very high oh, risk yeah. of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, impulsive behaviors and things like that. And so, um, it was quite an issue um, and so after that uh, they, they they reinstated the essential service uh, <laughs> kind of uh, thing that's good I mean, which that's when people really need it but yeah but it also of kind of uh, I guess gives us a window into how mental health is seen in Singapore as well mm. yeah the reality is this I mean like I'm not sure of the exact statistic but um, MSF did report uh, a spike in um, their hotline mm. during uh, lockdown mm. because the reality is that like you know um, some some of us do see clients who have uh, domestic abuse that's happening right and yeah. you can imagine like if there's if a lock- in a lockdown and you're locked in a house yep. you can imagine how bad it can become yeah right? alcohol sales goes up right oh yeah I for mean, sure yeah. for sure <laughs> and also divorce yeah. rates also went up a lot yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So I think like, I mean, this is all unprecedented. Right? And so uh, it's a stressor that uh, is very new to us also. 
Hmm. And I mean, with any stressor, you can stresses are related to mental health difficulties. So Do you think being cooped up at home too long can actually cause depression? Like, there's some a term for it called cabin fever or something, is it? Uh, uh, cabin fever. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Um, but I'm not sure if cabin fever is like. It doesn't apply, right? Uh, uh, not. Okay, I'm, not, I'm not too sure about that. But yes, I think in the right circumstances, it could. I think it really depends on... Like the lack of social interaction. I, mean, I yeah. do know of some friends who feel like literally miserable at home. Mm-hmm. They like say, I cannot wait to get out. You know, during the lockdown mm-hmm. period, I cannot wait mm-hmm. to get out. Oh my God, I'm so mm-hmm. upset. Like, they don't know how to vent out that, that type of emotions mm-hmm. they feel inside. Yeah, 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 for mm-hmm. sure. But also, I have to, I have to kind of say that like, uh, depression is very different from feeling sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very right. big difference. Uh, depression does not equal to sadness, uh, which is... A common misconception also. Okay. Um, okay. Sadness is normal, yeah. right? We all feel sad uh, in, our, in our daily lives, right? I mean, yeah. things happen yeah. um, and, you know, we feel sad as a result. But depression is something very different because depression is when there's a real significant, not just distress, but there's also impairment to a person's life because depression is not a, just about the emotion, but it's a, it's a cluster of symptoms that we classify under the depression as a disorder um maybe a better way that i can talk about this is like not oh, how do i organize my too thoughts? complex in the yeah. mind <laughs> no sometimes i have difficulty explaining <laughs> this to my clients <laughs> but because i know in my head right yeah the, the hardest thing the hardest thing is to, 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 to explain in a layman yeah term yeah, yeah. That every person okay, um, what are the symptoms the okay so symptoms are, are things like um uh, the first one definitely is low mood um like okay. really really uh, low mood and then the second one is low mood as in lethargic no, low mood as in like your, your mood levels. So your mood levels in the, in the sense that like uh, how you feel generally, uh, whether you feel um, you're okay out and about or kind of like a more, like this is where the, the word depression comes from. Yeah, I, don't, depressed. I, I don't really understand this. Because yeah. it's, it's a depressed mood. Okay. So, yeah, I think example. I could pull out the Oxford Dictionary yeah. to give you a definition. <laughs> <laughs> so for example, but, like something that you usually makes you happy, Mm. Suddenly nowadays You don't feel it anymore Yes yes. So that is what we call uh, That's also classified under A term that we call Anhedonia Anhedonia Yeah um, It's a chim term That basically <laughs> says That like uh, you, you lose pleasure In the things That you enjoyed before mm. You lose interest In the things That you enjoyed before mm. um, Depression is different From sadness Because uh, people Who are depressed They don't want to be depressed They know that It's not They know that It's not something that it's, it's, it's functional They know that it's something That's not Sometimes it might not Even be rational Right It's sometimes just The way that they feel Right And right. you if, if you go to them And you tell them Like okay you know I'm going to give you This one thing And this one thing Is going to make All your problems go away You're taking a heartbeat Right um, mm. There's this There is this And also I guess This also ties into Some of the stigma That we were talking about earlier There's this stigma That people with mental illness Is mentally weak But that's not the case either Because I think That's too, that's too much of a Of a sweeping statement to make it's easy la, to just say that it's easy to classify it like that but it's not because the fact of the matter is that like it's it's way more complicated than that way more complicated i always thought like if you are mentally strong you can just like pick yourself up and then carry on but if you are mentally weak then you kind of succumb to the darkness so mm. so uh, maybe you can explain a bit more on that mm, i think what you are talking about is perseverance mm. right i think what you're talking about is grit right mm. Which I would argue, many of the people that I've seen who have depression actually display one of the, the highest levels of perseverance and grit that I've ever seen. Wow. Because you, know, you think about it, right? Every day, you, you struggle with suicidal thoughts. You struggle with thoughts about killing yourself. Every day, you struggle with feeling like you're worthless, feeling like you're hopeless, it's hopeless, feeling like you're helpless. Every day, you feel like a burden to the people around you. 
And yet every day you find it in yourself to continue living. Mm. Every day you find something, mm. you find that small little thing that brings that keeps you going, that keeps you like, you know what, I I I I I'm thinking about my family, I'm thinking about the people who love me and you know, I want to keep going. Right? Yep, that's this, true. Yeah. Like people have met, I honestly like uh, some of the people that I've I've met, they they have displayed a level of grit and perseverance that I have never seen in my life. Yeah, and I would true. argue that you know in some in some cases like higher than than the ones nice. who are normally functioning. Well, I've never really yeah. thought about it that way. Yeah, right? same, yeah. yeah. And nice. I think the problem is they they think that by having depression they they feel that they are weak-minded and then they kind of they just beat themselves but further down yeah. again. It, yeah. But it's the opposite. Is there a particular trigger for the depression, usually, uh, or there is usually for every mental illness, there usually yeah. is a trigger. Okay, um, it's uh, there usually is something that sets it sets it off, which is usually like a major stressor, uh, you know, in the form of like uh, major life transitions or some a major event happening, like the death of a loved one, you know, things like that. Um, but it can also happen without a trigger. Uh, which where things like, get a little bit more complicated because then uh, it's all about understanding like why is it that this is still around? Why is it that you have depression? Why is it, is it are there other things that we're not considering? Mm. Things like that, lah. That and it sounds like you have to go more deeper into the underlying reason, right? Mm. Maybe like yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Which is like which is a big part about our work. Um, Does the personality of a person? kind of affect how easily they, they develop um, depression? Yes, yes. There are studies that show that uh, there are certain correlations between certain uh, personality traits to uh, certain types of uh, mental illnesses. Um, but these are all correlations as well. They're not causal. right? Mm, okay. um, it's not a cause and effect thing. But yes, so there is some evidence for that. Yeah, so for example, uh, personality traits like neuroticism. 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 Yeah. What's so, that? So that's also another term <laughs> for. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Just for do it. Like, to educate everyone. Uh, for like, uh, basically traits of like you know overthinking, of uh, a lot of internalizing of like uh, anxieties, you know things like that, and like the higher levels, the higher level of neuroticism that someone has, the higher risk they have of developing a mental illness. Yeah. Hmm, okay. So overthinking. Uh, I mean, it's one of the kind of things that mm. that classif- that is that falls under the category of neuroticism. Only always says I over overthink everything. definitely not depressed. That's why at the end of the day, it's a risk factor. It is not a causal factor. Mm. Risk factor. Yeah. Let's let's say we have one friend. Okay, uh, one friend who is depressed. Uh, how can we go about helping this person? Okay, obviously we're not psychologists. Mm. We are just. Um, we're just the average person mm-hmm. you know we don't know all these terms mm-hmm. we don't know what's the best way to help him mm-hmm. and you know in your advice what is something that we can do to help well I mean first things first is whether or not the person wants help mm. uh, you know it goes back to our earlier conversation about support yeah. right what you know asking that person like you know hey how can I help what is what can I do to help right in the event um, that he says just leave me alone I don't want to see anybody I don't mm. do anything yeah. do you just leave him alone yeah then I think we should respect uh, the person's wishes um, at least for the moment right I mm. think uh, if of course at some at some uh, later date if you feel like you know actually there's a real cause for worry there's a real cause for concern yeah. then you really want to involve a, a a professional like healthcare professional then yeah we want to we will take that step if necessary however <laughs> okay. uh, we want to as much as possible you want it to be voluntary because yeah. Yeah. because at the end of the day even if you force someone into They'll resent you. Mental health care. Yeah. Well, one, yeah. yes, there's that resentment. Yeah. But people also think that, you know, that's the best solution. Like, oh, mm. if you're depressed, just come out with us, no, you know, like, just yeah. hang out with us. There's, a, there's a right time and right place for everything, yeah. I think. 
Um, you know, sometimes we can do things in the wrong time and wrong place, right? Uh, if this person really just wants to be left alone, then yeah, leave him, leave him, leave him alone. Mm. But but you know, you could let them know that you know you're always here if if uh, when the time comes, right? You can always let them know that you know, hey, I'm not going away, right? Hey, I'm just a phone call away. Uh, you could check in on them periodically. You know, you can let them know that hey, you know, actually, you don't need to reply me. But you know, can you? Is it okay if I just keep texting you? Keep texting you? Yeah. Okay. Like yeah. you know, like just. Just uh, showing your support in that way, and in the right time and right place, you know, when when perhaps at a at a later date, when you feel like, yeah, you know what, actually, uh, I feel like I'm ready, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Like the the just the very simple act of just saying, if you need to talk to anyone, mm. I'm here. That's yeah. it. You don't need to give any advice, mm. any like kind of yeah. life changing things, because yeah. a person doesn't need to hear any of yeah. that. Yeah. You just they need to not, hear yeah. that you need the, your support. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure if they need advice, they will ask for it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah exactly. Tell me what to do, like, hey, you know. Uh, help me out with this like, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do you know things like that yeah. have you had a client where he was kind of forced to visit a therapist like uh, whether it's the parents or what oh, yeah, it I was mean, against his will yeah usually that's usually uh, that's what happens in hosp- like sometimes in hospitals okay. uh, where uh, you know maybe because of a of a of a very high risk situation and that's why they were hospitalized in the hospital that's when the whole healthcare team is activated, right? So it's not just a psychologist, mm. it's also the psychiatrist, it's also the caseworker, the social worker, physiotherapist, occupational therapist, the nurses, like everyone's oh, okay. activated to, to, to provide care. And so in those cases, then yeah, I mean, you would have to provide the care. Lah. But uh, also then the work is harder because if the person doesn't want to talk right. to you, then it's hard. Yeah. yeah. What illness is the highest percentage in terms of the mental, like something from mental health? Like, for example, is it depression? Is it mm. anxiety disorders? Like, what are the, the what's the common thing you see? Yes, what's the common thing you see? Mm-hmm. So it. actually, there was a uh, mental health study done uh, like a couple years back. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> correct. <laughs> um, but the highest, uh, the highest pers- we call it pre- we call it prevalence rates. Means like how many people in a population would de- uh, eventually develop. Uh, yeah. A certain kind of mental illness. Okay. So the prevalence okay. rates, uh, the highest ones in Singapore are anxiety disorders, um, are also um, substance uh, abuse disorders. Oh, okay. um, also things like well, uh, substance o- OCD abuse as well. Will also classify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As addiction, a is, addiction is. Uh, yeah. Oh, su- oh, addiction. Yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, substance abuse right, is, right, is addiction. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so I, I actually link this to. Um, I was reading a study mm. uh, yesterday because I want to flex today la, to show you that I know <laughs> okay. some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, flex, so flex. Homework. <laughs> uh, yeah, doing my homework. Yeah. So in, in 2017, okay, mm-hmm. a study was found that 792 million people around the world mm-hmm. suffer from some sort of mental health disorder. Mm-hmm. So this translates to roughly one in every 10 people mm. suffers from mental health disorder. It's quite and, a high number. And yeah. um, one third of it is due to depression. Another mm-hmm. third is due to anxiety disorders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So two thirds of 792 people, yeah, yeah, yeah. million people, suffers yeah. from depression and or anxiety disorders. That's insane. Eh? That's a, a, a huge number of people. It eh? is. I mean, I don't think it's two thirds. It's, it's one out of 10. One out of 10 will develop a mental illness. Yeah. But out of that one out of 10, two thirds two, two thirds of, of that yes. one out of 10 will develop. Yeah, so math for math. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Joel, your math. I try. I'm thinking like, what? I think two thirds of like, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, he, of actually he watched video only. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, next time hey, you, you don't know the Your flex not enough. No, 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 but like, but but yeah, I mean, like, it's actually quite, it's quite a lot, and it's a lot more common than you think. Yeah. Um, and and this is why the stigma is so bad because um, the 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 worse the stigma, the less that people will be willing to seek help yeah. early, mm. right? Because an, another fact that we know is that the later you seek help, the harder it is to treat. What are the risks? Like, okay, um, the most extreme is suicide. 
But let's say, even if the person doesn't do that, what else is he at risk at? Mm. For example, like if I have a mental issue like depression or anxiety and I don't treat it, will I like maybe... Even if I don't kill myself, will I go crazy? Oh, no, la, no, 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 I, like, no, 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 that's not how mental illness works, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think, I think, <laughs> that's uh, why we are here, yeah, 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 no, 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 these are the, these are the exact questions <laughs> yeah, to ask, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There are no, no stupid no, questions, Ivan. Yes, no um, stupid questions, okay, in this podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the, I think what you are talking about are perhaps some of the media representations of what it okay. means to have mental illness. Yeah. Uh, people who fly off the handle, you know, I mean, in movies, they depict uh, characters like that, right? Who lose control of their actions, who lose control of their behavior and things like that. Um, Depression is definitely not one of that. Uh, it's not. Uh, it will never amount to that. Um, if it's mm. just depression, okay. Um, you know, of course, definitely the things that we see in the media are dramatized, la, And mm. unfortunately, I think have contributed to a lot of the stigma that we have today. Um, right. It's. I. W- I mean, I also again don't have the exact statistic, but I can. I can probably safely say that you know, nine times out of ten, um, people living with mental illness are not violent. Mm, okay. And they're not violent for no no uh and even if they are, it's not without reason. Now how about other how I say like maybe you lose your ability to function on a day to day basis mm-hmm. or at work or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is that one of the risks that's uh that's there if you just leave your mental ill- oh, illness? Oh yeah, rapid? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean it can deteriorate over time. So it starts so your this is where uh the functional impairment starts. So uh, a mental illness is never really a mental illness until it has functional impairment. Oh, meaning okay, okay. meaning what, what you were able to do before, you are no longer able to do it now. So for example, going to work. Another example is meeting friends. Right? If, I, if I start to isolate myself, if I start to not want to do the things that I used to do before, like hanging out with friends, you know, going out for a drink, having a beer, doing a podcast... <laughs> like, yeah. like then, then you know, then you know, there'll be some eyebrow raised. I'd be like, oh, hey, you know, hey, what's going on here? Like, this is what we call functional impairment. Uh. Mm, I see. Yeah, maybe I'd like to go on a more personal level now. So maybe why you can share with us why you decide to go on this career path. You know, can be completely honest. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean, a psychologist can earn uh, I mean, a ton I mean, of money. Or I'm sure it's <laughs> could it be depressing for you to hear a lot of. I mean, uh, this kind of thing would uh, impact you. I mean, I'm yeah, sure yeah, for yeah. sure for sure. Yeah. I think. Uh, it's definitely not an easy job, for yeah. sure. I mean, I, but also at the same time, I also like to say that, you know, every job has, you know, we have good days and bad days, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every job is hard in itself uh, and for many different reasons. Um, not not trying to make any comparisons here or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it can get pretty tough sometimes. Um, and this is why within the profession, it is encouraged that we seek our own therapy. Oh, okay. Um, within the profession, we have such a thing called clinical supervision. So there's a therapy for therapists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow! Um, you don't, you don't need um, you don't need a mental illness to go for therapy. Mm. You don't. The we also there's also within the profession there's also something called clinical supervision, which is uh, that uh, it's not like a manager employee kind of relationship, yeah. like a supervisor kind of supervisee relationship, but rather clinical supervision in the sense that it, you usually seek supervision from a senior psychologist who know who has a lot more experience, who knows more than you, uh, who you would. Uh, discuss cases with um, who you know you will also discuss uh, certain things uh, you know maybe perhaps uh, certain things came up for you while you were working with a particular patient right um, to deal with certain things in, in some form in a very limited capacity also to provide some form of therapy for you as well mm. 
Oh, and so it's interesting, yeah. You gotta do what yeah. you preach, you know. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, it's a it's a human connection job, right? I mean, mm. the whole premise of the job is me connecting with someone else, mm. and through that connection, sometimes, uh, you know, there could be some uh, unforeseen side effects. So what I mean by this is like, let's say, let's say, for example. Uh, let's say I grew up in a household where I was abused as a psychologist. Like, so I'm a psychologist, but I grew up in a household where I was abused. Yeah, right. If I see a patient who was also abused, some of the emotions that I'm feeling might not completely come from the patient. It might come from oh, my own past. Okay. But uh, sometimes through the through our work, it's a little bit hard to discern which is what. Mm. And so, okay. because wow. of that, that's why clinical supervision is important for the supervisor to point this out for you. Very oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be very, very aware of your own well being. Yeah, yeah. So you many layers. Insane, man. Yeah. You have your to. Your mental must be amazing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I think it's like kind of like I prioritize self care, So that's why I play games with Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to yes, self care. Yeah. That's a yeah. great way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. if not, then you know, alcohol is like. A <laughs> A way Only to escape, but I got a feeling it's not anymore. Cause apparently, it's one of the mental illness and substance abuse. Mm. <laughs> Have you always wanted to be a psychologist since you were young? Uh, I was quite. In- I was interested. In, I think. I think it was like fif- when I was fifteen or sixteen. I think like I, I chanced upon a, a book about psychology. Like I think it was in the library. I think my mom forced me to go or something like that. And like, I I chanced upon it, and I was very very intrigued by it because. I was very, very interested in kind of like, or very, very fascinated at how there are certain wounds that we have that are invisible. Mm. And that's really what mental health is. They're invisible wounds. And, right. um, and, but at the same time, the level of suffering is enormous, even though the wounds are not easily visible. Yeah. Longer yeah. and it lasts longer and deeper than physical wounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think it's, it's even worse though. Like, I wouldn't want to suffer from that like in the entirety of my life. It's, it's crazy. You know? Right. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, which is why, you know, going back to perseverance and grit, I think, yeah. I think they, they, they display one of the highest levels of it. Right. Yeah. Oh, quite interesting. Uh, if you, you put my 16, 17-year-old self into a library, I would just read Naruto or Bleach. Shit, you guys are, you guys. <laughs> what was I doing when I was 17 and shit? Mm. Oh. Yeah. So af- after, after that, then you decided to, that's what you wanted to yeah, pursue? Yeah, so I, I kind of like, I mean, I was quite sad on it. La. I mean, I knew that I didn't want to do business. Uh, my, my, my parents wanted me to, to study business. They're like, mm. oh, you know, why don't you take psychology as like a minor? You know, ah, why do you want to do business? Uh, why don't you do business? It's an easier degree or you can, there's more of a future, you know, things like that. Um, but I think deep down, I, I knew I wanted to help people. And I wanted to help people in ways where uh, people who are marginalized. And so just, I mean, as, as I grew older, I just started like just exploring law and just seeing law. And just trying out different jobs and just to see whether, you know, it'd be something that I'd be willing to do, I'd be willing to build my life on. Mm. And, you know, that's kind I of see. like where but I what, what kind of jobs did you try that led you to to where you are now? Oh, um, I think like in secondary school, I went to kind of, I went to intern at a educational sites clinic. Just to watch her do therapy, uh, watch her kind of conduct people on the spectrum, the autism spectrum. Okay. Mm. Okay. Um, and then as I grew older, like when I went to uni, because uh, I went uni- I went to uni in the US. So as part of my bachelor curriculum, like I I needed to work. Like if I don't work, I cannot 
yeah. I cannot yeah. graduate. So, because uh, my school gave my school gives like six, they give you a six months leave of absence to go and work full time. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is an interesting loophole because like you can work full time as a student. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like on student visa, you can only work 20, yeah, 20 yeah, hours. But okay. but it was an interesting loophole because I work like. 40, 50, 60 hours sometimes in oh a week. Wow, wow. Full time, and I got paid full time. Uh, and you don't have to pay school fees while I was working. Also. The nice. companies so like accept you on a six month basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. it's a, so this school, they, they, uh, they, have, they work with organizations. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I ended up working like a, in a psychiatric hospital in Boston. Mm. Uh, that was quite an experience. Uh, I guess the cases there are more extreme? Uh, I wouldn't say that extreme, but they were a lot more ill. They were very mm. ill. Yeah. Okay. The what do you mean? I mean, when you say that, there's a lot of layers. <laughs> <laughs> Ill in the sense that, yeah. like, uh, people who've been, so for example, suffering from schizophrenia for a very long. Okay. Uh, people suffering from psychosis for a very long time. What psychosis? Um, uh, so, I think in the most basic sense, psychosis is a detachment from reality. So, okay. meaning that. Uh, the reality meaning is like this is reality for mm. us right this right. is what's happening right now this is what we know is real for people who struggle with for example schizophrenia right it's a detachment from reality in the sense that uh, many people with schizophrenia they struggle with audio, audio hallucination so they hear th- they, they hear someone sometimes most of the time someone mm. shouting at them things like wow, that okay. um, which is real to them that's the thing yeah. right it's as real as how you are talking to me and I'm hearing you right now mm. okay and so uh, but but because this is what we classify as reality. Schizophrenia right. is what's classified as det- a detachment from reality. I see. So, so there, there are other things that's happening in their mind which they are perceiving mm, so as they are, reality. They, sometimes they hear things that other people don't. Yeah. Wow, yeah. okay. Mm. Um, a bit off tangent, but some people say it's supernatural. Then how do you they draw the <laughs> line, right? Oh, that one is... Uh, <laughs> like, oh, it's a ghost, you know? But I think that one is like, a, that was no, an entire yes, podcast yeah, right. itself. <laughs> it's a ghost, but I know you're just schizophrenic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I think it's a valid question, right? It is a valid yeah. question. Yeah. Um, interesting enough, like, uh, there's an entire subset of literature called The Psychology of Religion. Um, nice. And yeah. The Psychology of uh, kind of uh, how... I guess like certain hypotheses at least or certain theories that people have put forth about how uh, in the earlier in the early ages uh, how people made sense of some of the things that we see today right yeah so um, yeah it could honestly it could very well be that people I would say you know in the 12th century or the 13th century where if you have schizophrenia mm. you could be easily seen as someone who's possessed right so so it's like the the exorcism of Emily Rose mm, and the yeah, kind of you could cases. you could right because at the end of the day then because this person is reporting for example hearing something yeah. that you are not hearing right. right and if you didn't know how else to make sense of it then possession might be a good answer mm, mm. interesting but yeah. it is a bit controversial because you know it's because then you start to delve into religion yeah. Yeah. and yeah. things yeah. like that yeah. Um, but yeah la, I mean there are different theories out there la. Cool. but you've always that, I think that's a very cool topic it yeah. is yeah. it is yeah but you always have to view it as 100% from a like a psychology basis oh la. yes yes psychology is uh, is evidence based so okay. so psychology <laughs> is a science um, it's a science in, in the in the fact that like we have hypotheses, we test them, we conduct studies to make sure that like, you know, this is actually true, mm. right? Mm. Uh, if it's not, then we debunk it and then we come up with new uh, uh, theories or certain things that we feel like might, might better explain something. So it's a science. Right. But the, but the, but the you know, what's often said in the industry also <laughs> is that like, psychology is a science, but doing therapy is an art. Right. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because therapy is, 
would therapy be counted as a form of recovery more and then psychology more trying to figure out things? Uh, in a way, in a way. Yeah. So the reason why us... So, so why... That's why that's kind of like why we have different names, right? So, mm. some you know you can call me a therapist, you call me a psychologist, right. you can call me a, some people like you know we use the word clinicians as well. As a psychologist, as part of your training, uh, because in Singapore you have the minimum you need to have a master's mm. to practice as a clinical psychologist. Many psychologists have doctorates, PhDs, or PsyDs with a doctor of psychology. A psychologist is kind of like equipped with all the knowledge of kind of uh, psychological theories. You know, for example, other forms of theories that help us understand what a hum- what the human experience is like and then you try and incorporate that knowledge into therapy mm. so therapy like for example the more uh, famous form of therapy is cbt uh, cognitive behavioral therapy so cognitive how does that work so cognitive <laughs> behavioral therapy <laughs> is uh is a form of therapy that's based that was first created by this guy called aaron beck in like the u.s and um, he basically uh, had some theories of co- he cognitive theories lah. Basically, that um, we in uh, in a nutshell, it's kind of like how in our minds uh, there are we we sometimes have what what he calls negative automatic thought. And cognitive behavioral therapy is all about kind of examining those thoughts, challenging those thoughts, and to see to you know to see whether like are they real or are they not? You know, mm. okay. So what evidence do we have mm. for that? What do we not? Okay. What, if there's no evidence, then okay, what else can we do then, right? Where else can we move? How else can we move forward from this? So in a nutshell, it's kind of like that. Mm, yeah. I see. Is there any resource you can like self-prescribe yourself? Like, like for example, like, oh, nowadays I get super nervous over small things. Like, am I getting anxiety? Like, is there something that, some kind of resource out there? I mean, I would say Google, but sometimes Google has like <laughs> very scary things on there. Yeah, <laughs> I got a cough and now, you know, I got, I got like stage four cancer. <laughs> you know? like, but the problem with that is up to your own interpretation is, of what is, you read. Yeah. It is, yeah. I mean, at some level, like, you know, anxiety is normal also, right? I mean, like, like, Exam anxiety, right? We all yeah. had it. Like I had it. I had so much exam anxiety, like growing up. You know, certain levels. You know, everything that we talked about, like there are healthy and normal levels of it. But when we come into the realm of mental illness, uh, the biggest factor is functional impairment. Mm, okay. Again, yeah. So whether or not it's really like is the anxiety at a level where you're no longer able to work, where you're no longer meet your friends, where you're no longer able to do other things that you used to do. Oh, so actually, being a psychologist is very hard. You know, you gotta be very good in your IQ, not only IQ, but your EQ as well. Your EQ actually got to be better than your IQ because you got to relate to the other person, right? Mm. So are there any like bad psychologists in Singapore or like anyone that you know that maybe they have very, very high IQ, academic smart, but they just cannot relate to the other person? Wow, that's quite okay, a... cannot say lah. That's la, quite a tough. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so, maybe just, just, uh, just an example, just an example. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, there are, in every, in every industry, uh, there are bad eggs lah. Quote yeah. unquote, right? Yeah. I mean, um, for many different reasons. Um, and so I would say, yeah, I mean, like, it is not impossible that there are people who, uh, psychologists who are not good mm. at what they're doing. Mm. Um, Were you always empathetic? Like, was this a skill that you picked up along the way as you become a psychologist? Or oh, yeah, was for it sure. Something it's a skill, you definitely. Empathy is a skill. Also, oh, you're Empathy not born, not like born. This, this, <laughs> this, like, wow, you know, I can relate to you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely a skill. Oh. I think uh, empathy is something that can be built. Uh, empathy is not one of those things where it's completely inborn. Mm, mm. When I say it's a skill, because whether or not you choose to want to put yourself in someone else's shoes, it's always an active choice. Mm, mm, it always okay. is. And the more you choose to put yourself in someone else's shoes, the better you get at empathy. Mm. The better, the more you choose to be non-judgmental about kind of um, how someone sh- 
suffering or someone is struggling, the more in those situations, situations you choose to, you know what, okay, let me withhold judgment first and let me empathize. Let me see how much I can empathize with this person. Yeah, that's great advice. Then, you know? yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, you will get better at it over time. But then um, in today's age, I mean, how do you feel about it with society in terms of technology and I think it's going against that, yeah. <laughs> and it's getting worse. Yeah. Mm. What, what, do mean, what do you mean by what do you mean by technology? Social media, for example, you know, a simple thing goes online and people go crazy. Uh, they don't even. I mean, a simple, for example, message to that person mm, to say, "Hey, what happened there?" Yeah, yeah, would yeah. have solved everything, mm. but they would rather write their own narrative right, right, right. and go crazy and kind of like make their own assumptions, and make their own conclusions, and, yeah. and things like that. So, how would? empathy be built in today's day and age wow, in a sense wow that's a tough question <laughs> today we like to ask tough questions yeah, man, I'm going yeah. to ask <laughs> I thought I would have ended yet it's <laughs> <laughs> an so OT all about yeah, the man, tough OT questions now. man yeah, OT but no OT pay yeah, yeah. definitely okay so actually this is one of the the points of contention actually which is that technology improved at too fast of a rate mm. in the last oh, I think decade I yes. think it was decade right because uh, if I remember correctly because I'm quite a nerd myself. Uh, the C- the processing power of the of the technology devices that we use exponentially increased mm. in the yeah. last decade compared Correct. to the last like 50, 60 years, I think, or something like that. Mm. Uh, and so because of that, like the you know the advent of like social media and like you know YouTube, you know all these kind of things, online platforms, like it exponentially increased. Also, it's interesting, but yet. You know, scary because the research doesn't have time to catch up. It and it won't. Uh, there's it won't, be a it new won't because there's something new coming <laughs> yeah. out. Um, the, the technology is still improving at yes. a very exponential rate. And so, yeah. and so the, that's what the scary thing is, la, which is that like uh, psychologists and other researchers, they don't have the time to research actually. Uh, you know, hey, actually, you know, is social media good for mental health uh, or is it not? And until today, we don't have a definite answer. I mean, the only answer that we have is moderation. Mm. Yeah. yeah. In many ways, social media is too young. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about technology, because psychologists, therapists, all these are all very human. You know, this is something that, I don't, you know, opinion will robots or AI will be able to take the role of a psychiatrist in the future? Tough question again, right? Yeah. yeah. That's my job here. Robots are ever in yet, so. But I, I mean, I've never heard of, you know, a robot or AI taking over such things like that. I mean, uh, automation Mm-mm-mm. or like those labor kind of intensive Mm-mm. jobs. Yes, I do Mm-mm. here, but Mm-mm. not so much on this aspect. I feel like that's a very philosophical question because I feel like that would, that might fall into the realm of like, you know what a Turing test is? Turing test? No, please explain. Turing test is uh, the. I can't remember where this came from, but I know that it's a test where uh, it's a test for an AI to whether or not an AI can be classified oh, sh- as a human. Oh, okay. Nice. Turing as in like Turing, 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 T U R I N G. Oh, T U T U R I N G. Yeah. It's if I'm not wrong, It's a test where whether or not the AI can be passed off as a human, whether it's smart enough to be passed off as a human. So. I think, I mean, with the rate that with the rate that technology is advancing, mm. I would not be surprised if um, at some level, on, at some capacity, our jobs might be you know might be might be done by by artificial intelligence. Mm. But at the same time, you know, there will also be some who argue that uh, you know you can't take the human component out of it, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, mm. what makes therapy work as well is knowing that you are connecting with another human, mm. yeah, and not just on any other human, but a human who also is broken in some sense. Yeah. Right. Um. One of the, uh, I mean, in one of the books that I read, he he talked about uh, therapists and psychologists and counselors and all these all these people who do therapy. He classified them as broken healers. Wow. 
because okay. because the the fact is and the reality is is that like I have my own problems. Mm. <laughs> I didn't grow up in a mm. <laughs> I didn't grow up like all fine and dandy, all sunshine and rainbows. No, yeah. like, right? We're all broken in our own separate ways, and there is meaning and there is value in one broken human being connecting with another broken human being. Mm. And I think perhaps maybe that is perhaps maybe a a reason as to why a com a, an AI would never be able to over. That's a, that that's a, yeah. 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 I think like. Accounting and all that will go <laughs> first, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, if accounting is still around, done by humans, therapy and all that will never be taken yeah. over by AI. Yeah. yeah. The reason why I ask that is because I mean I I watch I'm I'm a movie buff. Mm. I like I love watching movies. Mm-hmm. So I watch movies like Her. Mm. I watch movies like Mother. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah, take yeah, the yeah, form yeah. of a human. They yeah, 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 convey. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a movie, but you will never know, right? These mm-hmm. are things. What's yeah. the key difference between? Clinical psychology mm-hmm. and criminal psychology. Is it forensic psychologist? Yeah, forensic. Yeah. Is it the type of cases? Uh, or? Yes, uh, it's the type of cases and the scope of the work. Okay. So forensic psychologists uh, primarily work hand in hand with the criminal justice system of any country. Mm-hmm. So in Singapore, they also work with prisons as well. Um, mm. Forensic psychologists are more involved in. Not my head. I'm not entirely sure, but I would say criminal rehabilitation, or they might do things like expert witnessing for any kind of criminal behavior. Because I, w- like I, w- I would think like this part would cross over a bit, it like would. in it sort would. of the integrating back to society part. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, so there are many different kinds of psychologists, right? Yeah. So it's not just uh, clinical and forensic, but there are educational psychologists, there are social psychologists, there are cognitive psychologists, mm. um, there are organizational psychologists. Organizational. Yeah, so organizational psychologists, they usually work more in the corporate world. Of it. Mm. Oh, okay. Mm. Like um, billions. Uh. Mm. <laughs> oh, shit, that's good, man. <laughs> they, I mean, all of the psychologists earn the most, la, <laughs> yeah. for obvious reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it really depends on the scope of the work. So, social and cognitive psychologists tend to be more academic, mm. tend to be uh, more research based and things like that. Uh, educational psychologists are more school based. Mm. So, they work very closely with the education system. Uh, mm. Schools, like, over, uh, kind of overseeing some of the psychology-related things in schools uh, for students, teachers, you know, things like that. Or educational psychologists also do things like learning disabilities, you know, dyslexia, things like that. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, whereas a clinical psychologist, uh, the profession was born out of uh, a clinical need in hospitals. So fun fact, like, therapy was done by psychiatrists in the past. Okay. Way back in way back in the past, psychiatrists who were medical doctors who are medical doctors. Oh, okay. Therapy was done by them. So the early the oh. early the early therapists were psych were psychiatrists. Oh, but okay. as the as the as the profession developed, psychiatry became a lot more medical based, a lot more uh, biological drug based, mm. um, and because of that, there was a gap in the services of therapy. So that's where clinical psychologists came about and that's where counsellors carved out a role as well uh, in therapy. That's how psychotherapists mm. came about as well. As things I got see. deeper, right? Yeah. I mean, there was a need. There was yeah. a need for therapy. Yeah, and so to fill that gap. Maybe you can walk us through like a session with your patient. Like for example, we are your patient, right? What, what goes in one session? And one session is like an hour? Uh, the first session is always hour and a half. Hour and a half. Uh, mm. Most places, most places, uh, or at least in the private clinic is one and a, one and a half hours. Okay. Um, there are some places that only do an hour um, it really depends on where you're going but mm-hmm. the first session is what we call an intake session so the first session is always uh, just the main objective of the session is for me to get a better understanding of what you're struggling with and more mm-hmm. importantly why are you here 
to see me. Mm. Do you really sit on the inclined chair? No, no, no. no. <laughs> 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 like the patient will lie down on like a brown sofa. <laughs> <and> <laughs> like, with your notepad. Um, yeah. Yes, yes. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's like the, I, think, I feel like that's a meme nowadays. <laughs> you see that in the movie. Yeah. So they show yeah, you like some like sort of like uh, disfigured picture and then see what you see in this picture kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's the oh, question though? Oh, that's the, that's the Rorschach's test. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's a different... I would say branch of psychology uh, under under a branch of psychology called psychoanalysis. What was the purpose of that test? Like to see what you see. In oh, actually, honestly, I'm not entirely sure because mm. uh, I wasn't trained in that. Okay, but oh, okay. I do know that uh, it falls under a branch of psychology, a bunch of, a branch of psychology called psychoanalysis, which wow. uh, evolved from Sigmund Freud and all that. Yeah, and this is oh. my extent of my knowledge on psychology because <laughs> this is all I see in the movies. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like you see, you see a happy family. Okay, this guy is okay, you know. But you see, like a sad face. Ah, oh, this, mm. this guy has depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, the the first session is always just get to know you, lah. So I'll just yeah. I'll ask broad questions, lah. Like, you know, what are you struggling with? I'll ask questions like, uh, you know, any difficulties in your relationships, mm. romantic, platonic, family relationships. How do you grow up? What was your schooling experience like? Uh, if you were a guy, how was NS for you? And these were like people from all ages, right? Yeah, yeah from all ages. What's yeah. the youngest patient that you have? Right now? Yeah. Or, I mean, uh, in, or before, yeah, you know? Oh, oh. Um, nine? Ten? Nine. Wow, wow. Yeah. And wow. it's like school stress kind of stuff? Or uh, it's from birth? So there's childhood depression. Hmm. A little bit different from adult depression. Okay. So childhood depression, there are features like, for example, anger. Controlling yeah. emotions. Yeah, yeah. In that, in, in that capacity, like there are theories as to how like a child uh, d- does not have that emotional capacity because mm. you know, it's not de- their brains are not developed. Right? Yes. Uh, they don't have that same emotional capacity as, adu- as us adults do. Yeah. And so because of that, uh, certain presentations are different. So anger is one of those symptoms in childhood depression. Uh, but of course, not just anger, it's mm. other things also. Um, but yeah but it's not easy because they are in a completely different state because they're not developed yet mm, so the, yeah. the work is different la. so I don't really do work with children because like mm. I, I, a bit, I'm a bit awkward with children so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> is that a completely, completely specialised kind of a psychologist that's dealing with children yeah 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 they are, they are so I have many colleagues who focus on child work um, they mainly do like psychometric assessments or they do therapy for children mm. you know therapy for children is very different also uh, oh, because yeah. it's a lot more simplified it's a lot mm. more like you know very wow. action very like uh, you know fun in a way like very uh, very expressive and things like mm. that it must be yeah. terrible to suffer from depression at such a young age yeah. it is actually yeah. it is it's quite heartbreaking actually is, yeah. is it mostly due to like environment or family issues School? bullying or um, I think all those are risk factors yeah, yeah. Mm. so we talked about risk factors just yeah. now yeah. Um, Definitely, if you grow up in an environment that's not ideal, yeah, the um, chances are like, well, it's tough, higher. right? And somehow, like nowadays in Singapore, it's so stressful to grow up. They, I mean, they recently changed the PSLE system, but yeah, but it's so stressful. I mean, like I've, I had such a stressful time growing up. So I don't know if yeah. you guys know, but do you guys see like the PSL one primary school math question or something? Oh yeah, yeah. Holy <laughs> shit! It's like <laughs> asking you to solve like a rocket science question. What? The, how? How? How can you expect a kid to know this kind of answer? Yeah, right? so. Mental stuff health is playing stuff. catch up yeah. sometimes. Stuff. This might be a loaded question, but like, do you see differences or have you f- faced differences in terms of race in Singapore? In terms of like, maybe more Chinese people come for therapy, or I mean, or is it a balance? No, I mean it's the it's the same proportion lah. Okay. So, uh, generally speaking, so generally speaking, it's the same proportion in the sense that, like, you know, Singapore is seventy percent Chinese. Mm-hmm. Okay. So based out of ten people, seven people will be Chinese, lah. Ah, okay. Like usually, it's like that. But of course, uh, we also do know that there are higher, higher, 
levels of mental illness mm. uh, in the more marginalized populations. Yes. So lower income. Um, also because for obvious reasons, like there are a lot more stresses when yes, you yes. are in the lower for income sure, bracket. Yeah. yeah. So because of the more the the, high, the greater levels of stresses, it's all of a sudden the risk of developing mm. mental illness gets is a lot higher. Mm. So in any country actually that you go to, um, the lower income uh, bracket would definitely be at a higher risk. But they're more willing to come for therapy? Only if the ease of access is there. Oh, okay. So Yeah, because they work the whole day and yeah, stuff like that. And not yeah. just that also, like, is, it, is it affordable? Is right. it free? Yeah, talking about that, how much does it cost to seek help okay. for mental health? Uh, it varies from place to place. In a private practice, it's definitely more expensive because of the nature of the private practice. What's the range like for private practice and public practice? Uh, so if I am not wrong, uh, if so, the way to get subsidized fees into a hospital mm. is that you must go through a polyclinic. So okay. you go to the poly, like you know, like if you get any referral to a hospital, yeah. you go through polyclinic. Usually, right? yeah. So yeah. same way, same thing. You go to a polyclinic, you go to a GP, uh, you know, and you say that you want to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist, yeah. and then they make a ref- referral to you yeah. to the general hospital. And then once you go into the general hospital, they have subsidized rates, lah. So um, one hour. Uh, would be about eighty dollars, I think, for subsidized rates. Subsidized rates. Wow, oh, that's not cheap, Which is not cheap. cheap at all. Yeah. It's not cheap. So, can't wait to hear about much to be exactly. desired. Definitely, especially when you compare uh, the the cost of the services in other countries. Right. Um, mm. Also, kind of developed countries as well. Um, it's very different. Uh, but that also that's also not to say that there aren't cheaper avenues or for mental health services. So, polyclinics are pretty cheap. Because of the nature of what polyclinic is supposed to be, mm. yeah. Uh, but also the drawback is that like uh, each session is only half an hour lah, instead of one hour. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's certain sacrifices that have to be made, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So let's say I go to a polyclinic, then I wanted to seek help. Like, how should I go about it? I just tell the the person like seeing doctor mm, Yeah, seeing doctor. Yeah. So yeah. you go to the so you go to the GP, right? And then you yep. say that you know actually I've been struggling with whatever symptoms that you have, whatever you, how you feel, and you just say that you know actually I feel like I need to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Mm, right, okay. and then the GP will just make a referral to a general hospital. I, I think techno- I technology needs to bridge this gap, lah. Right, yeah, yeah. like I think in the US, there's quite a few platforms where there are, there are. where you can just direct online. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the cost, I think, it's, it's reduced not, quite a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah, so there's you, nothing like that here. If there are, um, you mean like government-based ones or like uh, private? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I mean there are like telehealth services now. Okay. Yeah. So also because of COVID, also right. So mm-hmm. telehealth became much more of a thing, uh, where you would you can see a psychiatrist online, you can see a psychologist online, that kind of thing. Um, there are many apps out there. So like for example, things like Doctor Anywhere is one of them. There is this other. I know of this other service called White Coat. I think it's called White Coat. Yeah. So they have these kind of services now. Mm. Um, even my in the clinic that I work at now, we offer uh, online also. Okay. So you can't you can't make it in person. I can just do online with you. Yeah. yeah, but the price same. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. So just now you were sharing about um, you know getting help in a public mm. uh, hospital, right? So mm. it's a, che- a bit cheaper, eighty dollars mm. subsidized rate. About that, about that. Waiting time is kind of long, right? Yeah. So that is the drawback of yeah. the public system, and that's why private practice is even able to sustain itself because yeah. the reality is that like there is oversaturation of the demand for mental health services in the public mm. sector. And so sometimes the waiting times can be up to one, two months before oh, yeah, you see yeah. a psychiatrist or a psychologist uh, just because of just the sheer people who need help. 
and then you just got to get there's a waiting there's a waiting line mm-hmm. and so for many of those who feel like uh, they cannot wait and also the ones who have a means to pay that's where the private practice comes in and that's why I mean supply and demand right I guess yeah, mm. yeah. how much do private practices like cost for an hour uh, how much I, do they charge I, I don't know what the general range is um, but the clinic that I'm working at just the ballpark my my the, the charge that for me is 200 an hour 200 oh, an hour wow yeah. um, oh. but but also you know it's negotiable if there are financial difficulties so that's good yeah because mainly you want to help people right yeah, yeah. yeah our main objective is to help people for those who are still kind of maybe having mild symptoms or you just uh, you, you don't want to get there are there ways to to kind of reduce like maybe the stress the chance of you developing mental issues oh, yeah, 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 for example for sure. like like wow this the work is killing me i'm going crazy but then the money is good so i want to stay <laughs> <laughs> but i don't want to go into depression because of work so watch what what, what yeah, could yeah, i do yeah, for sure um i mean but how much of that is like self-inflicted nah. yeah. right but i mean that's quite a, that's what a good, a good yeah that's a good bunch question. of people will be facing right the general populace like selling a soul for money but you don't want to go crazy i mean i personally don't feel that counts as much <laughs> 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 I, I mean like there are of course like as much as possible you want to minimize or well, not minimize, minimize sorry i mean like get and regulate as much stress as you can right? right so you know your standard coping strategies like you know what do you enjoy doing right do you enjoy going out with friends do you enjoy making time for your family right mm. if these are important to you then you should carve out time to do that which i think people don't do uh. i mean it's yeah. easier said it's a, than it's done it's easier said than done definitely like for me i know that i need a period of time to exercise mm, mm. if not i won't be happy at any job mm, mm. so i make sure that that's a key yeah, factor yeah, yeah. but i feel a lot of people just leave all this shit out when yeah, they yeah, go yeah. for things yeah it's like it's like <laughs> oh if you're like too tired you don't want to exercise yeah. or like you know there's no time to exercise and then you know. just screw it and they just keep going yeah, and it yeah, gets yeah. worse which is but but then that's where the that's where the difficulty is right uh, the way that i like to describe this is i mean i usually do this like with props la. okay I'll try, I'll try and explain <laughs> it over a podcast as well okay um so i want you to imagine that like i have a cup with me right all of us have our own individual cups and each of our cups inside there is is filled with liquid right and so every single time someone asks us for something or we need to go and do something, we pour a little bit out of our cup mm, to that person. Okay. Work demands something from me. I pour some of my some of my water out of my cup into the work cup. Family asks something from me. Okay, I pour out some of my water into the family cup. My friends need help. Okay, I take my cup, I mm. pour some into my friend's cup. But if you don't fill your own cup, right, at the end of the day, at some point, you have nothing left to give. Mm. There's nothing left. And that's when it gets, gets really tough. So that's why... You know, carving out time for exercise is Im- if that's important for you and you mm. feel like that helps, it's important because that is your own way of yep. filling back your own cup. I see. Now, what do you think of like, you know, yoga is very popular nowadays. <laughs> you know, yoga and meditation, yeah, yeah, mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those I mean, it can good. be anything, right? can yeah. be anything. Yeah. Whatever you feel like is helpful for you because at the end of the day, it's also a personal preference, right? Whatever mm. helps you. Like how exercise helps you, but I don't yeah. think exercise helps me. <laughs> 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 but you should still try to exercise. Yeah, it's not mental health, but more yeah, like yeah, physical. More physical. <laughs> physical is also important to mental health. I mean, I tried doing meditation for a while or so. Like, it's mm. good, but then, like, keeping up every day is a bit hard. Eh? It is hard. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, discipline is also consistency. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, consistency yeah, yeah. is key. Yeah. I, need, I, need, I need to get back on track on that. Mm. <laughs> Okay, Ben, I think that's a great way to end off yeah. your cup analogy, hmm. which Joel missed. Very full, sorry. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having your me. Time. Thanks so much, Desmond. Thanks for having me.
hope you can come back, man. I think it's fascinating the topic, mm. and like maybe we can focus on a specific topic and expand on that maybe, next time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Today we were to. very general and we were just fine. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. I want yeah, you to, to yeah. listen in with the, the listeners as well to Google a lot of things that you know you said during the podcast. Mm. So at least I'll be no more knowledgeable next time round. Daring test, daring test. The words are no. I mean, yeah, like there's a lot of jargon, yeah, yeah. which is not helpful like, sometimes. No, but at least we got all the stupid questions out of the way. More <laughs> <laughs> to come, sorry. Come. Yeah. <laughs> then next time we can focus on something, and yeah. I think that'll be quite cool. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, but thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I'll be happy to come back. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, Desmond. Yeah, yeah man. Thanks. All right. Uh, and that's another episode of the Drunken Ramblings. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and also follow our Instagram page for more content. See you next time. Drunken Ramblings.